Hello, beautiful mamas. I'm Crystal. And I'm Karina. And we are the Lonely Moms. Motherhood can often feel lonely and isolating. That's why we created the Lonely Moms podcast. This is a spot where other mamas come to feel connected and maybe a little less lonely. Join us as we dive deep into the relatable ups and downs of being working moms, finding friendship in such an isolating chapter of life, and navigating mental health while also trying to keep our children alive. Cozy up with us every other Wednesday night to get inspired, get candid, and get real. Because we're all in this together. Yours truly, The Lonely Moms. Welcome back, Lonely Moms. Here we are again for another week, a new episode. If you were with us last week, we talked about keeping your littles busy and activities to do with them. But this week, we're coming back on a little bit more of a serious, heavier topic. This week, we are going to be talking about postpartum depression and navigating postpartum anxiety. Um, This is something both Karina and myself did struggle with both pregnancies. Um, I will say I had it a lot worse my first pregnancy just because I was a brand new mom. Second pregnancy was a little bit easier because I knew what to expect. And then I think Karina also had two very different experiences. Did you not, my dear? I did, unfortunately. It's it's one of those things that just, it blows. <laughs> I'm yeah. just going to say it right now. It's such a hot topic right now, too, just because of, like, recent headlines. But it's the, it's just, it's not educated well enough on you. Mm-hmm. We were just talking about this recently, like, how the only kind of support you get is at your six-week postpartum visit where they have you fill out a paper questionnaire and you rate yourself on a scale of like one to four, how you're feeling. And then you give that to your doctor and they really like, they don't really do anything with it. Yeah. I, I actually, cause I, I filled one out for my six-week appointment and then I filled one out like the first few visits with my child's pediatrician. And it was my child's yeah. pediatrician that talked to me more about it than my own me OBGYN. Too. Oh my gosh, me like, too. Why when is I, that? Um, what? Like, what the heck? And I, when she, I remember it was when I had Beckham and I, she asked me how I was doing and I just started like <laughs> bawling. And she was just like, and we talked about, you know, like postpartum depression and but like every time like up to like when he was a year when I would take him into the pediatrician the pediatrician would also ask me how I was doing like the OBGYN could give an F no because you literally only get like a six-week visit or an eight-week visit depending on how you delivered and then after that unless you bring it up on top of filling out the form they they don't care I had kind of after I had Zachary which is my first um I had brought it up to him and that was like right during COVID too. So like they weren't doing like any in, in person support groups anyways, like everything was done online. Um, but like literally all my doctor was like, well, here's a list of like online support groups and, um, you know, we can try some medication, but you know, it'll, the, everything was like, it'll pass. Just give it time. It'll pass. Luckily for me, I do feel like it started to lift more around like 12 weeks postpartum with Zachary. 
And I think for me, like my postpartum manifested a lot in just like very intrusive thoughts. Um, And I don't know if that's like the nurse brain in me too, because I've seen a lot of stuff happen to children being an ER nurse prior to becoming a mom. So like my brain would automatically go medical when my kid was crying for no reason or like something happened. I remember texting my other nurse friend who was also an ER nurse who was on her second baby. So like she had more experience than I did as a first, as a first time mom, just trying to like clarify, like, this is normal, right? Like this is normal because they literally like, they don't talk about the intrusive stuff, right? Like they, you get discharged and like, Oh, like baby blues are normal. That's like the first couple weeks, right? Like baby blues, you're just tearful, the surge and emotions and stuff. But then like after the baby blues, it like can advance to postpartum depression where like things don't level out. And I got to a point where like I did tell my doctor like, yes, like write me a prescription for the medication. I don't know if I'm ready to take it, but I at least want to have it just in case I need it. Thankfully, like I said, things lifted at about the 12 week mark and I didn't need to take the medication, but I knew I had it just in case. And I think when we talk about medication too, another thing like doctors don't really touch on, which my doctor actually did say something, but they need to educate better on like, yes, we can give you medication, but like it's going to take time for it to work. So you need other resources in the meantime, because, and I see this even with regular psych patients in the ER who like, obviously they're not postpartum, but we get a lot of psych patients. Like they Mm -hmm. go through all these meds like every week because they're like, well, it's not working. It's not working. It's not working. And I was like, no, 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 no. Like there's, there's so much lacking education and just mental health as a whole, like even taking the mothering side out of it. No one tells you that these medications take a minimum, a minimum of four weeks to start feeling better. But like a true, true time where you start feeling good is probably around the six week mark of taking medication. We're so into society now where we want a quick fix for everything because that's just how easy it is to get our hands. Like you can get a quick dopamine hit by online shopping. Like, you know, like take Disneyland, for example, lightning lanes. Now you don't need to wait in line and stuff. So we're treating medicine the same way. We're thinking that like medicine needs to advance and start working instantaneously. And that's unfortunately not how it works with a lot of these medications. So then going back to motherhood, like in postpartum depression, you find moms that are switching medications left and right every week. And then that's having an even more terrible effect on them, which can further progress their postpartum depression, if not even maybe trigger them into going into postpartum psychosis because their body keeps getting all these different medications thrown at them. And that's not having a proper amount of time to actually like get into the system and level them out. So, um, and with talking on medication, Karina, you are definitely a big proponent for medication. I know you've, we've talked about your journey in the past. So I'm going to have you kind of like take the stage here and Mm -hmm. lead the rest of this discussion. Cause like I said, you've done medication and you had a really big significant life event this year happen in your postpartum journey. So last year, last year. Yes. I know we're in a new year now. I went through really bad, like postpartum depression. Plus it didn't also help that I like, I gave birth. It was in the middle of like, winter time. It was dark outside. We had a really, really tiny apartment and it, all that whole mix was just, oh, it was so bad. And then Beckham was a screamer and breastfeeding was just not going well. Beckham had thrush and then gave me thrush. It was just like, a nightmare. And then plus every time I breastfed, I would get like a rush of emotions of like just sobbing. 
It was miserable. I wanted to breastfeed so bad. I was like, I don't want to give up. And I had so much guilt. And then the postpartum depression and then the intrusive thoughts. It was just a miserable thing after another. Literally one thing after another. It was miserable. I obviously told the doctor about all of it. And we went back on sertraline, which I was worried about because I was like, oh, Like, what if I pass it to the baby when I'm breastfeeding? So I actually decided to quit breastfeeding altogether because I was just miserable. And I had a lot of mom guilt about it for a while, but then I was fine. I was like, I would rather be a healthy and happy mom than, you know, I need to put myself first in this instance. So then I got better. But then Jason got postpartum depression. Well, not like got it, but like developed a postpartum depression. And that was really um, hard. And there are, there are studies. I know some people might listen to this and be like, what? Like a man gets postpartum depression. There's actually oh. new studies emerging now that men yes. actually can be affected by it. And it's not necessarily related to hormones the way it is in us. But like, again, the, the workload of being a parent of adjusting to this mm-hmm. new lifestyle, especially if you have a less than easy baby and then our partners feed off of our emotions. So if we're a mess and they don't know how to handle us, it can eventually have a negative effect on their mental health as well. So that totally makes totally. sense. Totally. I just remember, and he's fine if I say this, but I remember his mom came to come and help with the baby and it was time for her to go back home because she lives across the country and he like, didn't even say bye to her. He was just like laying in bed and it was so awful. But then he also got on medication and I mean, yeah, it takes a few weeks, but it's totally worth it to get on medication and put yourself first so that you can be the best mom and parent and wife that you can be. So then last year, so I've dealt with depression and anxiety like my whole life, but last year I went to the mental hospital and that was in February of 2020. Oh my God, it has been a year. It's been a year. I know. I was having really severe panic attacks, just like kind of out of nowhere. I was a mess. Like I was trying to work with a therapist, but it got to the point where I was like, I could not function at all. People were coming over from our church to take care of our kids. My parents were flying in to like come and help out. And I ended up going to the mental hospital for, well, I think it was like a week and a half. Actually had a good experience there. Yes, it's a mental hospital, but I'm really, really happy that I went. There was another mom there who had just given birth and she was having postpartum psychosis severely really, really bad. And so that was really interesting to see just like from a motherhood standpoint and her and I could kind of connected, even though she was in a psychosis on just like being a new mom and how hard it is. And like, she was literally like her, she had given birth three days prior to being in the mental hospital. So she had to leave her newborn to come to the mental hospital to put herself first and get on the correct meds that she needed to be on. And I remember the day that she left, she wasn't 100% better, but the meds were finally kicking in. I think she had been there for like a week and a half for two weeks. But I received like a lot of coping help and I got on a correct medication. I saw and met with the psychiatrist every single day. I went to therapy every single day as a group. And honestly, I was disconnected from the entire world, which is what I also think I needed in that moment was to kind of just like gather myself as a mom and disconnect. I didn't have any access to my phone. If I wanted to call somebody, it was through like the mental the hospital. Phone kind of thing, right? 
Yep. And, but it was really, really good. And I didn't realize how much social media was affecting my anxiety and depression at the time. Because at the time, I was going like level 100 on trying to grow my social media. Really caught up to me. I've noticed now a lot of things about myself. And one of those is that social media contributes. It contributes to my depression and my anxiety. Again, on a mom level, but like someone who works in the ER, like kind of going on your experience, when you choose to seek help for postpartum psychosis or any type of mental health issues, you can't unfortunately just go to the mental facility that you want to go to. What you actually have to do is go into the ER first. You have to get medically cleared. From there, they will put you on what's called a 5150 hold. Um, And then once you're medically cleared, the in-house psychiatrist will see you. And at that point, they will kind of like ask you like what you want to do. Is this something you think you can handle on your home if we give you resources? Or do you think you need some type of like inpatient treatment at a psychiatric facility? And it can be a process. And I remember you talking to me about yours and yours actually went really, really quick, which I'm so glad for because, and I don't know if that was like geographical location for you because at the time you were in like Northern California, but it wasn't like you were in a heavily densely populated area where like here where I'm at, we sometimes have patients like holding forever. It's, it's, it's a process to get through. Um, But like piggybacking on that in the ER, seeing patients of all shapes and sizes, moms, kids and stuff. It is a proven fact now that the way the world is with social media, what we see all this excess consumption of it is leading to a multitude of psychiatric issues, not only in moms, in your regular people. And we're seeing it so much in kids now too, because you've got to worry about like online bullying and stuff. Like we're getting kids as young as 10 and 12 being brought in on 5150 holds. It's, it's really, really sad. And mental health has always been a huge lack thereof like topic in this country like there's just not enough importance put on it but the mental health population keeps expanding every year like it keeps getting bigger and bigger and I think COVID really also made that worse and I kind of want to ask you because I know when you had your incident last year and you decided to get help you were you were still living in California do you think Um, because you know, they always say like, it takes a village. Like we need to learn to ask for help as moms. Do you think that being out here with none of your family contributed to needing to go to a mental facility? Like, do you think if you would have been in the position you are now where you're close to home, like you have family, you have a network of friends close to you. Do you think the outcome would have been different? Do you think you would have actually need to have sought help like you did? Or do you think no matter what you probably would have had to? Uh, I don't know. Because like right when I moved to California was in April of 2020 and had no friends. It was totally shut down. We couldn't go see anyone. We couldn't go to church. Like we met nobody and it sucked so bad. And so that's why I got on social media. I was like, I'm just going to like, I don't have anything else to do. But I also did just have a new baby. And I was like, I'm also going to get on social media. And I went level 100 for like a year straight. And it was like crazy. And I think it just really caught up to me. But then we lived in San Jose. But then kind of halfway through the year, we moved down to a smaller town where I actually made like a good circle of friends. And those friends are the people that came over and watched my kids while I literally just laid in bed. (laughs) I think it definitely contributed to it because I was always really anxious about Beckham having to wear a mask and keeping me safe and me having to give birth with a mask on. And oh my gosh, it was such a nightmare and me like trying not to get sick and 
like sanitizing everything. And it was a lot. And I think it really just all caught up to me. I'm honestly like my nurse brain is very interested in seeing 10 years from now, the studies that come out that say that postpartum during COVID times was like 10 times worse than any other probably like postpartum depression period. Because I know for a fact that contributed to my like postpartum depression and anxiety with the first pregnancy versus with this last one where like the first one like we were on like I don't we took Zachary we we did go on vacation in December like when Zachary was three months old but we literally did like a road trip to Mesquite Nevada he was three months we stopped in Vegas one night but it was dead because it was still like the height of lockdown, right? So we literally walked the strip. There was no one on the strip. I was cool about it, copacetic. Then we went to Mesquite where we rented an Airbnb in Mesquite. If you're not familiar with it, it is literally like an old person town. The highlight of the town for shopping is Walmart. Um, But it's literally like an old person retirement golf town with like three casinos. So like it was cool, right? But aside from that, like we we didn't go out with him. I refused to go out to a restaurant with him when things did finally start opening up. We barely had any family gathering outside of our little very small family circle where like this time around with Ethan things were like relaxed and like we did take him out to like a restaurant when he was like two months and we like have gone so many more places with him like this last year we did the aquarium and all this stuff and so I again I think it was easier to navigate postpartum this time around because not only was I aware of what to look for but things were just different you were able to get out of the house you were able to do more things I really do. I cannot wait to see the studies because, you know, that's going to take time. Research always takes time. But I I guarantee there will be something in the next couple of years that says like, you know, 75% more women suffered from postpartum depression and postpartum psychosis during COVID lockdown because of the isolation. Like it, it just, it totally makes sense. Are you still taking any type of medication right now? Or have you gotten your, like, where are you at on your medication journey? Or I went to the mental hospital. I was on a break from my meds. I was like, Oh, I can do this. It's fine. I remember, I remember you were telling me like, you're trying to taper down and you were yep. having some like weird symptoms. And you're like, is this because I'm trying to like, just cut myself cold Turkey? I do remember that. Yeah. It was like in the fall and I was like, yeah, I'm just take a break. It's fine. You weren't even asking your doctor. You're like, Oh, I'll take a half a pill here. And a <laughs> quarter of one there. <laughs> I'm like weaning myself off. Which Stupid. Anyone who is listening to this, if you are on any type of mental health medication, consult your doctor before you start weaning because depending Please. on how long you've been on it, you can have some other symptoms that arise that are no good. So yes. always consult your doctor. <laughs> yep. So I had some of the weird symptoms. So then I got in touch with my psychiatrist again. Yeah, I like I want to try something else. Sertraline has always been my go-to and I knew that deep down inside. But then I was also like, yeah, like I kind of want to try Wellbutrin because I've seen people love it on TikTok. So I tried Wellbutrin and my panic attacks just started going out, literally out of control. I was like, I think I went to the emergency room like five times. Do you remember? I do. I do. Yeah. Because I literally thought I was having a heart attack. Like I'd go to the movie theater and have a panic attack in the middle of it. I'd go to like a hockey game and have a freaking panic attack. Could not hold myself together. Thought I was dying. Rushed me to the emergency room and it was just a panic attack. But I had like all the heart palpitations, dizziness. I was not vomiting, but I felt so nauseous. Like I literally felt like I was going to die. Oh, it was so awful. Where was I going with this? I can't remember where I was going with this. Oh, yeah. 
So yeah, don't go off of your meds. Let your doctor do it. And so now with my med journey, I've just kind of decided and have accepted that I think I'm just going to have to be on medication my, the rest of my life. As far, Maybe as far as sertraline goes, because every time I try to go off of it, which has been a good handful of times, it's never been good. Right. Um, I'm okay with that. And I'm still on the anxiety medication that they gave me, which is propanolol. And sometimes I forget to take it, which is a good thing. <laughs> but like, I'm also, <laughs> I'm still kind of holding on to, I'm scared to come off of it because I don't okay. want to. Yeah, you don't want to rebound. Um, you don't again. want to rebound. No one wants to do that. No, it I was think just so horrible. I think that if it's working for you right now and you haven't really thought about a solid plan as to what you're going to do to cope afterwards, there's no shame in that. It's it's okay yeah. if you're someone who needs to be on medication lifelong as long as it's working for you, you know? Yeah, like obviously I've been really happy with it. Obviously so. eventually you may have to change it up cuz you know there's always something that lingers like, "Oh, you shouldn't take this medication for more than 10 years." But if it's working yeah. for you, don't don't try to fix what's not broken, you know? Yeah. And I think kind of bringing this conversation around full circle now, talking about your mental health journey, talking about medication, talking about, you know, having a support circle. I want to hit home with all our listeners here that it is okay to accept defeat because postpartum depression essentially is feeling defeated and say, I need help. And whether that help comes in the form of therapy whether that help comes in the form of trying medication, whether that help comes in the form of going to a mental hospital or that help comes in the form of all three of those things or even more, it is okay. And you said something very important at the beginning and you said, I want to be a good mom for my kids. I want to be a good parent for them. And you you cannot be the parent you want to be if your headspace is not right, if you're not taking care of yourself first and foremost, we have to take care of ourselves before we can take care of anyone else. And I, I feel like as moms, we are constantly pouring from an empty cup. Mm -hmm. And when you already have an empty cup because motherhood is just a struggle, like everyone's going through it, it takes a lot out of you, but then your mental headspace is also an empty cup. Like it's just a recipe for disaster. And I've told you this before and I'm going to say it again. I commend you for taking those steps and saying like, I need help. Medication's not working. What I'm doing at home is not working. I, I need to check myself into the ER because that is like the safest thing you can do for yourself, for your kids. Because once you start letting those thoughts run wild and you keep living in a space of, let's just say denial, because you think you can really work for it it can escalate very quickly to the point where you start having thoughts of harming yourself or oh, eventually, yeah. you know, I, cause I remember checking in with you when you started going through that. I was like, are you okay? Are you like, do you feel like you're okay with your kids and stuff? And again, do not feel like no one should ever feel ashamed if they are having thoughts where they're like, I don't feel safe for myself. I don't feel safe for my kids. Like it does not make you a bad mom at all. Mm -hmm. You got to get yourself help. Do not be afraid in the long run. It's going to be so much better to to get that help that you need. I want to say things that I have personally changed in my life to help me cope with my depression and anxiety. Yes. Yes. um, Between, you know, the past and the present. So I've been limiting my time on social media and it is hard because I'm a social media assistant And then I also do my own social media pages. So it can get really overwhelming, but I really have tried to limit the time and be present. I also keep (laughs) 
orange essential oil in my kitchen, just like in an essential oil bottle. But if I ever start getting like really overwhelmed or stressed out, I go smell the orange essential oil. And I am not really like an essential oil girly, but listen, they taught me that in the mental hospital and it just hits different. <laughs> it really just calms everything, brings you back to the present. And it's amazing. You should totally try it with like orange or lemon or whatever is your favorite essential oil. I just keep it on hand and I go out with friends. I don't just stay in and rely on my house and my kids and my motherhood to get me through my life. I literally go out with friends like a couple times a week. Like, and I, it doesn't have to be, I don't like leave the kids. I, yeah. I just go out with my friends when they go to bed and it works no. out really good. And we uh, did talk about that on a previous episode too. Like you have to, yeah. You, you need it's it's healthy it's mm-hmm. healthy to it's socialize healthy. with people other than like who's already in your house like you see your husband every day like that's not yeah it doesn't count it you does not count go, you literally yeah. have to go socialize with your friends and that's been really huge for me another note for the listeners too there are so many different coping strategies and I want you to also don't think that because one strategy worked for someone means it's going to work for you as well try all the things try all the things until you find something that works for you essential oils may work for you but they may not work for me but that's okay don't knock it till you try it right as you're navigating this part of your journey in motherhood navigate it with an open mind it's okay to need medication it's okay to need therapy and it's okay to try a million and one different coping strategies because there is a way there is something that will eventually work for you so please do not give up put yourself first Put your mental health first because you put yourself first. You're essentially putting your kids first. You are worth it. You are so worth it. Mamas, it has been a pleasure chatting with you guys once again. Like I said, I know this topic was a little on the heavy side, but it is such a needed topic to talk about like on this mom podcast, because again, motherhood is lonely. And I know a lot of you probably are struggling with the same things that we've been through. So I hope on this week's episode, if it struck a chord with you, if it made you feel like you're going to get out there and do something different, if you're struggling, I hope we're the ones that helped you with that. Until next time, yours truly, The Lonely Moms. If you want to get on an even deeper level with us, make sure to join our Instagram page at The Lonely Moms Podcast and our exclusive Facebook group, The Lonely Moms Podcast, so you can connect with other mamas just like you and me. And you might even find some new friends. We'll see you next time on The Lonely Moms Podcast.